Did anybody get a chance to spend some time with God this morning? I want to tell you, I was able to spend a good bit of time with the Lord today, and I'm so glad I did because it just changes everything about you. We're talking about prayer today. Prayer. Prayer is one of the most powerful things we can do and one of the things we neglect the most. And we wonder why our life's a mess. We've been preaching to you on a series called The Big Picture, and it has to do with getting geared up for the battle. Have you realized yet that you have an enemy? You have an enemy who's bigger than you are, stronger than you are, been around longer than you are, and many times he beats you up, and you don't have to take it anymore. It's like the bully on the playground. Did you ever have a big brother? I never had a big brother. When I got bullied, I had to just take it, you know, or get smart. Or become friends with somebody like Jerry back there. Jerry had my back. But you know, when you, when you have a bully on the, on the playground, if you have a big brother and somebody's trying to beat up on you, you say, wait till I tell my big brother. The bully's going to go away. Well, listen, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is your brother, your Lord, your master, and your savior. And when you tell Satan that your big brother's on his way, he'll get out of the way. The problem is we just don't utilize that very much. We go through life without spending much time with God, without praying very much, and we get very much flustered and discouraged and overwhelmed when life tends to just beat us up because we're not utilizing the armor of God. Tony Evans says prayer is the way that you put on the armor of God. We've been preaching about this for nine weeks and I'm going to read all of the scripture that we've preached in the last nine weeks. And I would encourage you, if you'd like to, those messages are on our website, eastlandlife.com. And you can find them and you can follow along and, and learn along with us. Because I don't know about you, but I'm tired of getting beat up. Why would I get beat up? Why should I get beat up when Jesus Christ has purchased victory for me? Now, can you say amen to that? We're back to warm up again, all right? It's like you guys have won the Super Bowl. In fact, you've won something bigger, bigger than the Super Bowl, and we can say amen, right? So today, as I go along, if something hits you and feels good and you understand it and you agree with it, say amen. Clap your hands, do something. If you don't agree with it, talk to Jerry. He's back there, and he's got my back. Amen. I'm so glad to see you all today. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6. We also have outlines. If you don't have an outline and uh, you want one, I'm going to go out on faith and say that we've got some more. Do we have some more? Does anybody know? Okay, if you want one, put your hand up. One of our good folks will be right along and, and hand you one, and you can follow along uh, as we preach today. The scripture is in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. It's on the board. The Bible says this. After the Apostle Paul has gone through an extended period of time talking to us about how blessed we are, that we're uh, seated in the heavenlies with Christ. We have access to the heavenlies in Christ. Uh, Paul has told us that from the foundation of the world, God has been working things for our good. There's a lot of big stuff that's already happened before we even showed up on the scene. And so we're not an accident. You're not an accident. And it's not an accident that you came to church today because God wants to encourage you today. So at the end of it, Paul says this, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, what do you mean therefore? Because we're not fighting flesh and blood. 
If you think your problem is the person that you're arguing with, you've got it wrong. We're fighting something much bigger. And since you're fighting something that the Bible calls uh, spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places, you simply cannot get there fighting like this. None of you can jump that high. You just can't get there, amen? So he says, therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. I love that phrase. He says, having done everything to stand firm. Sometimes you don't know what to do. So what do you do? You stand. You stand firm. Stand firm. How? Therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This sounds to me like somebody can win. If you have all this on you, you're not going to lose. You can't lose when you appropriate the, the tools that God gave you. It's like saying God gave me something to use, but I'm not going to use it because I'm afraid if I use it, I'm going to lose if I use it. That's crazy. The reason you're losing is because you're fighting the wrong way. And prayer, ladies and gentlemen, is the way that we put this armor on. And so in your outline, we're going to go through some of the eight things that Paul told us to put on and how we go about putting them on and going to lead us into this last thing of praying in the Spirit so we know how to appropriate what God's given us. So the first thing that he told us in this scripture, the first thing that he said was be strong in the Lord. So what he's saying to you and I is to power up. He is giving us the command to power up. He said be strong. That's a command, ladies and gentlemen. It's not a suggestion. God says be strong in the Lord and in his might and in his power. So God's telling us to power up. It's too long. Too many Christian people walk around feeling like they're under the circumstances, under the, 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 uh, the attacks of the evil ones, and I just can't get out, and it's just so hard, and it's difficult, and I just can't win, and that's not true. It's coming from evil. One of the things evil will do to you is tell you that you're weak and you're so weak that you can't win. You are weak in your flesh, but in your spirit, it's mighty. The spirit of God is bigger than anything that will come against you. So Paul says, power up. Second thing that he says is to push back, to resist the evil. You see, evil will never stop messing with you. If you think there's going to be a day when I'm going to live in utopia on earth, that is coming directly from evil. A lot of people say, I just want to be happy. Just want to be happy. Did you know that the Bible never tells us to be happy? Happiness is a, is a great idea, but it's a terrible goal. Because when all you want to be is happy, you're going to do anything that it takes to make you happy. And the devil will give you a dozen different choices. God tells us to resist evil. And it's interesting, and I think we're going to preach about this pretty soon, that interesting that we have something in the New Testament called the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. You know what blessed are means? Happy is. So see, when you seek happiness, you don't find it. But when you seek God, you find happiness. Isn't that interesting? It's good stuff, isn't it? So push back. James said it like this. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit to God, resist the devil, 
he will go. Power up, push back. The, sec- the third thing he said for us to do is position ourselves. Get your, get your position correct. Who are you anyway? You are in Christ. You are a part of the body of Christ. You are indwelt by God's Holy Spirit. Stop with the stupid labels that this world will put on you. Well, I'm just one of these kind of people. No, who you are is a flawed person who in the flesh is very weak, but in the spirit you're very powerful because God has given you his spirit. He has deposited his Holy Spirit in you. It's enough for Christian people to walk around, oh, I'm just this and that, and I can't ever get over anything. You're listening to the wrong radio station. It's time to change the tune, amen? Position yourself. I am in Christ. You know what? In Jesus Christ, I cannot be defeated. Then he says to put on some things. Now, see, that's active. That's something that we have to do. Put on three things. The belt of truth. The belt of truth has to do with being honest with God, being honest with myself, and being honest with others. You cannot live your life on a lie. You'll never get together on a lie. You can't take a lie and keep everything pulled together. The belt of truth, and of course we know who the truth is. Jesus is the only one on the planet that ever said, I am the truth. So then he said to put on the breastplate of righteousness. What does that mean? That means that God has already provided for us a right standing with God. This is protection for our heart, protection from guilt. It's CPR for the heart. When you feel guilty, confess your sins. Put on Christ and recognize who's speaking to you because God never comes to you to guilt trip you. Satan comes to you and says, remember what you did yesterday. God says, remember what I did at the cross. We just sang it. We sang how great our God is and our God has given us a great gift and it's righteousness and there's no reason anymore for a Christian to walk around with a guilt complex. And then he said, To put on the helmet of salvation. This is protection for your mind. You see, there is a partition in your brain. There's the soul and the spirit going on. And the soul can get sideways. Can start looking and thinking the wrong way. But the spirit gets us back on the right direction. And that's why the Bible says the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it can divide the soul and the spirit. When your thinking gets wrong, put the truth back on. Put the helmet of salvation back on. Remember, when your mind goes in places where it shouldn't need to go, just remember who you are. Remember your standing. Confess who Jesus Christ is. I am saved. I am born again. That is not who I am. And that helmet protects our head. And then he said to preach it. What do I mean by preach it? The shoes of the gospel which brings peace. The shoes of the gospel of peace. Ladies and gentlemen, spiritual warfare is not in order for you to have a happy life. The point of all of what we preached over the last nine weeks is this. That we preach the gospel that brings peace between man and God. So if you're not about the gospel, then you're not about what God's about. If you want to have God's blessings, you've got to be about what God's about. He's about the gospel. The reason you are here and I am here and Eastland Life Church is here is why? For the gospel. Preach it, folks. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. You ought to be. 
Well, there's only a few preachers in this church. That's sad because there's a whole lot of lost people out there. You see, anyone here can proclaim. The word preach means to proclaim. Proclaim the gospel. Then he said to pick up a couple of things. Well, in particular, he said pick up the shield of faith. That's something that you pick up as you need it. You see, going back to this recognizing who's speaking to you, when Satan comes to you, he throws fiery darts, Paul says, fiery darts. Fiery darts of condemnation. Fiery darts of, of self-worth that mounts to nothing. Fiery darts of labels that the world puts on you. I don't want to label anybody. I don't like those. I don't like labels that, that are negative. And You know, if you take a child and you put a label on a child, that child will live up to that label all their life. And that's a dart. That's a dart. I mean, yes, I have problems, and yes, I have particular uh, weaknesses in my life, but my identity is in Christ, not in a stupid label. And so the enemy throws the darts and throws the darts and throws the darts. You pick up the shield of faith, and it puts them out. Then he said, pierce the lie. How do you do that? Remember last week? Take the sword of the Spirit. Put it to use. And you pierce the lie. Satan is in the business of deception. Satan wants to deceive you, discourage you. He wants you to feel discouraged, feel fear. Satan above all things. You might think Satan wants to kill me. He'd be good with that, but that's not what he wants. The most of what Satan and darkness wants out of you is to quit. That's it. To quit. What God has begun in your life, Satan wants you to quit. Give up. Walk away. Why would he rather that happen than me die? Because if you quit, he will make you the centerpiece of his ministry. Say, look at this one. They said they were Christian, and now here they go. And Satan will put you front and center. And then he'll come to you and he'll say, this is who you are now. And then some people get so discouraged, they never do come back because all they ever do is listen to the lies of the enemy. Ladies and gentlemen, God has given us the tools we need to win this. How do you put them on? Verse number 18. The last one is pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. And I think prayer is the thing for us that undergirds all of it. I believe God's Word is the foundation for everything that God is doing. But on my side of it, the only thing I can do is respond to His Word. And the best way to respond to His Word is through prayer. Paul said, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all saints. Man, there's a lot of words there. He says all prayer. He says petition. Do you know what a petition is? A petition is something more than just saying a three-word prayer. A petition means that you're busy doing something, being active, getting other people involved to get something done that needs to be done. If you want to petition the government, you get something drawn up, people to sign it, and you go up there and say, this is what we want. 
Petition means we come into the church house today and we figure out what God's will is and we see the needs that are in our community and we get together and we petition God. God, this is what we want to see done. Mamby-pamby prayers are going nowhere. I don't know why, but sometimes in humor they pick on lawyers when it comes to Christianity and I don't aim to and I don't aim to be um, putting anyone down, but I did remember a joke. Two lawyers were arguing about prayer and the Lord's Prayer. And one of them said, I can recite the Lord's Prayer. And the other guy said, you can't do it at all. He said, yeah, I can do it. And the other guy said, you can't do it at all. And he said, I can recite the Lord's Prayer. And he said, watch this. Now I lay me down to sleep. And the other one said, I didn't believe you could do it. Because neither one of them knew. Neither one of them knew anything about prayer. Their prayers were about the size of a three-year-old. In fact, the three-year-olds that are praying in my house right now are better than that. What does your prayer life look like anyway? I've got an illustration of it. Let's put it up on the board, Michael, or whoever's there. Anybody know what that is? Somebody said a flat tire. It looks like one. That is your spare. Do they call that a donut? Poor choice of words. See, donut is positive to me, okay? <laughs> That's pretty negative. Yeah. But uh, that is the spare tire. How fast can you go with that tire? How far can you go with that tire? Less than 50 miles. Somebody read the manual. <laughs> I know there's some of you who put it on there and try to drive to Texas, but you probably shouldn't. You see, what this is, this is for emergency use only. And that's how some of your prayer life is. For emergency use. If I ain't got to have it, I'll get it out of the trunk and I'll take my time. And you know what else? Is, is anybody like this? If I have a flat tire and I have to change the tire, I'm, well, yeah, I can do that. I know y'all don't believe I can. But I've had my share of flat tires in, in my life. But you know, I've not met anyone yet that when they had a flat tire, they got out and said, praise God, I get to change this tire. Especially when they're on their way somewhere. Have you? I mean, when you guys get a flat tire, does it make you happy? Are y'all with me today? It's a question. It's okay to go like this or go like that. You see, the problem is when people have to use the emergency, they're usually in a state of panic, and that's the way our prayer lives are. Our prayer lives are about that big and about that worthless. For the distance. You can't go very far there. And if your prayer life looks like this, you're not going to go very far. And you're not going to get the results that you need to win the battles that you're in. Tony Evans said prayers like the national anthem before a, a baseball game. It gets everything started, but it has nothing to do with what goes on on the field. And I'm afraid some of us have that particular idea. When Paul says that we use all prayer and petition and we pray at all times and in the spirit and be on the alert, he says to be on the alert while we pray. Now, what does that mean? In our hemisphere, we have been taught from a child that when we pray, we bow our heads. And there's nothing wrong with that unless you're going to be praying without ceasing, which means while you're driving. And I really don't want you with your head bowed and your eyes closed while you're driving. Even though the way some people drive, you might as well be. 
You'd have more luck praying while you drive that way than you will texting and driving or whatever else you're doing, right? And isn't it wonderful right now in our area, our bridges are down to one lane again. Anybody notice that over the weekend? You know, and if you're going to go to Kentucky to go to the bookstore and find some good Joe Muggs coffee, which I think is most of the time in the will of God, you better give yourself longer than 20 minutes because you're not going to get across there very quickly. And you know what some people do? Some people, when they drive, they don't even pay attention to the speed limit. They think the speed limit's 85. Now, y'all might as well say amen. Some of you do it, don't you? 85. I mean, some of you got such a lead foot, you, don't even, you might as well take the, uh, uh, the speedometer out of your car because you don't pay any attention to it. But the bad thing is when things go from two lanes to one and everybody's driving 85 and they come around and they're not paying attention because they're talking to somebody, they're looking at somebody, they're eating a snack, and all of a sudden they come up and everybody stopped. What do you think happens then? You have something, a situation that hurts everybody. And that's why Paul says when you pray, be on the alert. You see, you can't pray just with your eyes closed and not paying attention to your surroundings. In the New Testament, the Bible says they lifted up their eyes in prayer. And Paul says when you pray, be on the alert. Pay attention to what's coming up ahead because Satan will put those roadblocks in front of you. Satan will have somebody beside of you that is not paying attention. Satan will have somebody, a a spare tire or a flat tire waiting for you. Satan's after you guys. And if you're not alert, you won't see it coming. Prayer is how we utilize the armor of God and we win. And Paul says, do it all the time. Be alert. Don't quit. He uses the word perseverance. That means we don't pray one time and say, oh, well, I guess God's not going to do that. I guess I'll go back and do what I used to do. When we persevere in prayer, then we start to win battles. He calls it petition and for all the saints. I want to give you some thoughts about prayer that I think might be good for me and you to access and to do as we move forward into this year. Because I want you to know that Eastman Life Church is not content to sit here and just have a good time. We are here to preach the gospel and to move forward in the kingdom of God. We are here to take good news of hope to people who sit in darkness. Darkness will come after us, so we got to get ready. And if you're fighting personal battles, let me give you some things that you can do today. And if you'll start doing these things, you'll start receiving the peace of God that passes all understanding. The first thing I want to say is this. Prayer is activation of the work of God. It's the activator. It's the thing that gets God moving in some things. Isn't that awesome? Now, somebody will say, but God is God, and God does whatever he wants to do, and that's true. God does do whatever he wants to do, but let me tell you what God wanted to do. In Genesis chapter number 3, or Genesis chapter number 1 and 2, God created the world, and he created us, and he gave us dominion. God has determined to work through people. So if God's going to work through people here in Metropolis and you are the one he's working through, how much work is he getting done? 
God has called us to do the work. He gave dominion to Adam and Eve, but within a very short time, they gave dominion away to Satan. You might say, well, good, I'm off the hook. No, Jesus Christ won the victory, and now dominion has been given to Jesus Christ, and he is the one who is above all and through all and in you all. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he is the most high, the ancient of days. He is the one with all authority. He said, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth, and I'm given authority to you, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, I will do. Prayer is the activator of the work of God. Secondly, prayer is access for humans into the spiritual realm. Prayer is the access into the spiritual. You see, God put humans on the earth to do the work through humans, and Jesus came for three years to show us how to do the work. And I want you to look in there and see how many times Jesus himself prayed. If you don't think prayer is important, why is Jesus praying? Jesus is God. He could have just went zap and got things done. He taught his people how to pray. You see, we're humans. And too many times we fight in the human realm. We fight with human methods. We fight many times with anger. James said that the wrath of man never works out the righteousness of God. So how am I going to fight these things that are coming against me? I, I'll tell you what. The first time I started getting attacked by the devil, it made me angry. Anybody going to admit that? Did anybody just say, this isn't right? How about this? This just isn't fair. Do you ever say that? Of course we did. Do you think it was fair that Jesus went to the cross? I mean, was Jesus going, you know what, this just isn't fair. <clears throat> you guys are just asleep and I got to go do all this and you guys are going to deny me anyway. Are you kidding? I mean, we're humans and we've been called by God to do this work in a spiritual way. And the only way we in the human realm can enter the spiritual realm is we got to do it through prayer. Prayer is accessing the spiritual realm. The human cannot fight the spiritual with flesh. Can you imagine me fighting a, a, a big archangel right now? I can't do that. I can't fight anybody in this room, much less an angel. But man, when I pray, you know what happens? God's angels come to my rescue. You see that in the book of Daniel. We'll talk about that in the middle in, in a little bit. The battle is spiritual, so we must engage in spiritual ways. So understand this. I want to make sure you get this. When you pray, listen to me. When you pray, immediately you enter into the spiritual realm. And that's where your problems are coming from. Your problems are not coming from your circumstances. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We wrestle with principalities and powers of the air. And if you're going to beat them, you've got to beat them on your knees. Third, prayer is agreement with the will of God. It's agreement with the will of God. If you're going to have prayer as something that's going to be powerful in your life, it's got to be in agreement with the will of God. You can ask God for some things all day long, and God's going to say no. You say, God would tell me no. Depends on what you ask for. If you ask for something out of the will of God, he's not going to answer it. I gave an illustration last night. I'm going to try it again, see if it works this time. I got grandkids. I got so many of them, I lost count. I don't know how many they are. They all gather at Christmas time and I forget their names. It's a joke, y'all. Well, one of them's named Andy. Now, Andy's pretty special. Andy's pretty tough, too. And 
I just thought about if Andy decided one time that she wanted a pet snake. I asked her about this last night. I said, Andy, you want a pet snake? She said, yeah, we could put it in a cage. I said, no, baby Andy, you're going to put it in your bed with you. She said, no. But suppose she came to me and said, Grandpa, for my birthday, would you give me a snake? You know what I'm going to say? Uh, no, never. And then she'll say, but Grandpa, I really want a snake. I want one, you know, with the little thing on the end that rattles, right? I want it to sleep in the bed with me. I mean, what kind of granddad would I be? What about it, Mom? She comes to you, wants a snake? Didn't you have a snake outside your house one time? It wasn't Andy. It was Toby, wasn't it? Toby's like, oh, I think I'll. He thought we was in one of those churches where you pick up those things. We might try that sometime. No. Only do that if I need some more doors, you know, like one there and one there. I'm not going to give my granddaughter something that's poisonous. No matter how much she asks me for it. Some of you, when you pray, you're praying out of the will of God. You're not praying in agreement with God. Please, God, please, God, please, God, give me a snake. God's like, I'm not going to give you a snake. But if God doesn't answer your prayer, then we get all pouty, don't we? You ever got pouty with God? You might as well say amen. amen. Did you ever get up in the morning and you're like, okay, I got this same problem in front of me. So you look at God and say, yep, that's what I thought. Hey, I did that not long ago. I got up in the morning and... And there were some issues I was dealing with, some problems I was dealing with and things like that. And I really uh, didn't, just didn't have, did you ever just not have a great attitude in the morning? And the first thing out of your mouth was, well, God, I guess you're going to let this happen like this, aren't you? And God said, what did you say? I'm like, oh, maybe my attitude is not helping me. Sometimes when we pray, we're like, God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. God says, I'm not going to give you that. It's not good for you. But God, I know what's best. Oh, that might be where our problem comes from. Maybe we don't know what's best. Amen, Brother Brian. Preach a little while. Thank you. <laughs> Prayer is agreement with the will of God. Baby Andy, you're not going to get a snake from me. Maybe from Dad, but not from me. Fourth. Prayer is appropriation for divine intervention. It's appropriation for divine intervention. Prayer calls for God to intervene in ways that he wants to do, but will not do until you ask him to. I want you to think on that a minute. The book of James says this, you have not because you ask not. There are some things that God is waiting to do in your life, but you've never asked him to do it. Prayer is appropriation for divine intervention. Tony Evans said it a little more uh, uh, strongly than that. He said the prayer is divine permission or is earthly permission for divine interference. And I, I didn't know if I liked the word permission, but I get his point. Somebody would say, God doesn't need our permission. No, remember, God put humans in the world, and God in many cases is waiting on us to call on him before he acts. And when you call on God, you're giving earthly appropriation for divine intervention. Do you need God to intervene on something in your life? Do you need God to take down some enemy in your life? Do you need God to straighten out something in your life? Prayer is divine, it's earthly appropriation for divine intervention. When you pray, 
It opens the gates and the angels are dispatched. It calls for God to intervene in ways that he wants to, but will not do until he's asked. And finally, prayer is asking God to remember his word. Asking God to remember his word. Does anybody have a life scripture that you live on? I mean, something that might go on your tombstone someday. I told somebody the other day on my tombstone, it's going to say, I told you I was sick. <laughs> Actually, it will be Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Have you ever read that? Is that the word of God or not? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, that doesn't mean I come to church and sing the songs, and God's going to give me a million dollars. What that means is, as you learn to delight in God, and you learn to worship God, then your heart and God's heart become aligned. And then you start wanting what God wants. And then God gives you what you want. And so when you ask God to remember his word, you go before God and you say, God, this is what I want to see you do in my life. When I pray for my children and my grandchildren, I pray that, God, you have given me the blessing and I give my life to you. And, God, I pray covering over my children, over my grandchildren. And I will tell you, I've seen God do miraculous things with them. You may not know this, but we've got a five-year-old in our house now, along with a three-year-old. And the five-year-old has been learning stories about God. And when she got there, she was a little nervous about things and a little bit unsure about everything, like I'm sure everybody would be. And one night, I got called to come to the church to do something. It was going to take me 10 or 15 minutes, and Robin was in the other room. And, and I looked at the five-year-old, and I said, I'm going to be about 15 minutes. Are you going to be okay? And the five-year-old looked at me and said, yes, Pastor Brian, because I know God is watching over me. Amen. What kind of preaching is that? That is so good, isn't it? That in one month's time, a child can learn the truth about the scripture. And you pray God's word back to him. God, you said you'd give me the desires of my heart. And God, if my desires are not right, there's another psalm that says, Search my heart, O God, and see if there's any wayward thing in me. Did God ever give you a verse? Did he ever tell you something? Did he ever call you to something? You see, if you haven't figured it out yet, Everything that we do, everything we do here, the foundation of it is God's word. Not necessarily my wants. And you come back to God and say, God, remember your word. Even Abraham had a problem with that. It went, he was told by God he was going to have a son. And it went for years and years and years. And maybe he felt like giving up. But he comes back and says, God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless. And he's saying, God, what did you tell me? Did I get it right or not? God, remember your word. And when you pray, when you have God's word, 
And everything that we've said in this series is God's word. You say, these darts are hurting me. God, the shield of faith said he'd put it out. God, I feel guilty. Romans 8, 1 says, there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. God, remember your word. Take this away from me. And it's time to suit up for battle. And we do that through prayer. God, you said, remember your word. Take action, ladies and gentlemen. Prayer is to be utilized at all times. In a general sense, pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. And in a specific sense in our text today is a Greek word kairos that means when you're under attack, pray. Most of us, when we're under attack, we fight back. But Jesus taught us if someone hits us on this side, turn the other. And the only way I think you'll ever do that is if you do some heavy doing praying in that moment. Jesus wasn't just saying that for something to say. He's saying we got to learn to fight a different way. We fight through our prayers. The Bible gives us two Old Testament examples of prayer. One is a man named Elijah. Elijah, according to James chapter 5, was a righteous man who accomplished much. The Bible says he's, that the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. It says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Far too long we read the Bible and the enemy slips up next to us and begins to speak in our ear. And he says, you know what? You're nothing like Elijah. You can't do what Elijah did because Elijah was a man of God and he was great and he was filled with the Spirit. But James says he was a man with a nature just like ours. And you know what this man with a nature just like ours did? He prayed earnestly. That means he got serious with God. He spent time with God. He called out to God and, and that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. He entered into the heavenly realms and it affected things here on the earth. The Bible says, then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Ladies and gentlemen, he walked into the king, and he said, there's not going to be any rain here. How could Elijah say that to a king with the danger of getting his head cut off? I'll tell you how. He knew the word of God. The word of God came to him and said, it's not going to rain. So he said to Elijah, or he said to Ahab, he said, it's not going to rain. Three years, six months later, God came to Elijah and said, go tell him now it's going to rain. Listen. When you're in tune with the will of God, when you're in tune with the word of God, when you're busy in the work of God, when you hear from God, you can speak the word of God and you can pray for the will of God and you'll see God's activity because you'll go into that heavenly realm and it'll affect things in your earthly dimension. Moses. Daniel, rather. Maybe God wants me to speak about Moses. But in my notes, it says Daniel. Daniel was a man that was carried away captive by the Babylonians. And he studied the scriptures. And in reading the book of Jeremiah, he figured out that God was going to move his people back home someday. After he read the word of God, Mac, he began to pray. 
Daniel chapter 10, he began to pray. He read the word, he received the word, and he went to pray. And he began to confess his people's sins. And he began to confess his own sins. And he began to ask God for his mercy. And in Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, the Bible says that a man came and put his hands on Daniel. And it was an angel. The angel Gabriel. And it says, then he said to me, do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard. But you know, there was a 21-day period. The first prayer went up, and God dispatched Gabriel to Daniel's aid. But this same angel said, the prince of Persia, a demon, had withstood him for 21 days. People, we got to get spiritual eyes going on here. Because God is dispatching angels and hell is dispatching demons. But through our prayer and our perseverance, you know what happened? Gabriel said, but Michael, one of the princes, came and delivered me. And now I'm here to speak to you. See, it might be 21 days between the time you pray and the time you see the answer. It might be 21 months. I don't know. But if you know what God said, you pray God's word back to him. And then you pray a prayer of perseverance. And you don't give up. And your prayers can change because if you know what God said, you can start praying like this. God, I thank you. That you have already answered this prayer. God's answer is already on the way. You may not see it yet, but it's on the way. And it's time for God's people to stop being so mealy-mouthed with our prayers and stop being so faithless and start putting faith in God and start persevering in our prayers and put our people that we want to pray for before the Lord and petition Him and enter in those heavenly realms and see heaven come to earth and fix what's wrong with our lives. We got to do it. If there's one prayer person in this room today, a lot can happen. But if all of us do, then the kingdom's power will shake this town. And I'm ready to do it. Y'all receive that today. Amen.